0: But uh, we're in a series, Uh, Brian's kicked it off two weeks ago, leading up to Easter. I'm so excited for Easter, too, by the way. Um, It's going to be great, just hearing some of the plans that MLC has. It's going to be a blast. Grab those signs and invites. Just litter for Jesus. Just put them everywhere. It'll be awesome. Um, Don't really do that. Just hand them to people nicely. But um, we're leading up to Easter, and we're in a series called The Jesus I Know. And the graphic for this series is like a cup of coffee. It says, Jesus, I know. And that comes from a conversation um, a couple of us had with your lead pastor, Chris, and Brian and, and Nathan the team. I said, what's the premise for this series? And they said, well, act like you were having a cup of coffee with somebody. And they said, tell me about the Jesus you know. I was like, woo, I like that. That's going to be a long conversation, right? Because I don't know if I, about, uh, about you, but, like, I was brought up in church, so I know the lingo. I know the right moves. Um, I speak Christianese. You know, I can fake it. Um, I don't know, like when I say the right moves, this is a fun service too, because I can kind of like say whatever I want. It's the third service. So you guys, it's not the leftovers. It's everything I didn't have time to say. Y'all get it all. This is the best service. I'm serious. And I know Brian's the same way. So third service is the best service. But, um, I remember the first time I went to, anybody grow up Catholic? Anybody like been to a Catholic? Yeah. I remember the first time I grew up Baptist. But in high school, I always wanted to go to a Catholic church. And I remember I went to Midnight Mass. If you're Catholic, you're familiar with that. They do services at midnight. Baptists, we're like, what? No. (laughs) But uh, And I went to Midnight Mass for the first time. I remember I walked in. I was so excited um, to just learn and see everything. But it's like everybody else got the playbook, and I didn't get it. Like, people knew, like, when you go this way, you kneel. When you go into here, you kneel. And then they did the hand signals. And then you go up to the priest, and it's like, uh, tongue or hand. Like, I had no idea what to do. And some of us feel that way when we walk in. And it all has amazing meaning, but a lot of people just don't know what it means. And when you learn what it means, it was cool. But a lot of us walk into church, and we, didn't get, we feel like we didn't get the playbook. You know what I mean? Like when they start to sing and people are like this, you're like, why are they doing that? You know, is, what's that about? Or when people bow their heads. Like back in the Old Testament, you know, people didn't bow their heads to pray. Like when they'd say let's pray, nowadays, if I said let's pray, what does everybody do? Right? Yeah. Back in the Old Testament, they prayed like this. Eyes up, hands to heaven to receive whatever God had for him. It's kind of cool. So we do a lot of different things. Sometimes we don't know the why. And, and I thought if I sat down with somebody, I, I'd have the temptation to talk about the Jesus I knew or rather the Jesus I thought I knew. Because if we're honest, like, especially if we grew up in church, there's like this... Kind of figment of our imagination or this concept that we have of Jesus. And then if we've been walking with him or experiencing life for any given amount of time, we will come face to face to the reality that there's things we think we know and then there we realize we had no idea. And so the title of my message today is, um, I thought I knew, but I had no idea. Somebody say no idea. And so we're going to jump into a very, very familiar passage to kind of talk about Jesus here. We're going to be in John chapter 3. John chapter 3. John chapter what? nice. You guys are good. I, you can never tell with like a, a, a more like skeleton crowd, are you going to be engaged? But it's even more fun. Cause if you're not, I can just call you out. I'd be like, yes, ma'am on the seventh row. No, I'm not going to do that. Um, and I had a cup of coffee in between these two services. So I genuinely speak and generally speak relatively quick. And now you are going to get like the rapid fast forward version. It's not because I'm in a hurry. It's just because I had caffeine, but here's a trick. They put the services online and you can control the speed. So if you miss something, you can go back and put it on like half speed and get what would sound like a normal person. So John chapter three, we're going to start in verse one. If you're ready, say yeah. yeah. Awesome. Thank you guys for participating. I believe Uh, preaching is best when it is a dialogue, not a monologue, when we respond to what God's saying and doing it for three reasons, really. A, because I'm not as secure as Brian. So when you give me like an amen or something like that, it makes me feel good. Um, B, yeah. (laughs) B, um, I think when God's doing something in your life, it deserves a response. And so if he says something, you give it an amen or right on or that's what up or so be it. It's kind of affirming. And then C, God works around us. Sometimes we can engage people around us by responding. I mean, there's even a story in the New Testament. There was a a group of guys in a jail cell worshiping, and they worshiped so well that God released everyone in the jail. So their response to God was so powerful, it blessed other people that were trapped. Your affirmations in a sermon and your response in worship can't just release you. It can release the people around you. So those are great. That was a free sermon. That's over there. John 3, verse 1. Let's read it. It says, now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. Everybody say Nicodemus. That's too long, so I like to call him Nick. Everybody say Nick. Yeah, so there was a man of the Pharisees named Nick, a ruler of the Jews. Pause. So Nick was a Pharisee and a ruler of the Jews. Quick recap, Pharisee were the religious elite of the day. They were the educational elite of the day. Modern day translation, they would be like the Harvard or Yale graduates of seminary school. To be a Pharisee, even to graduate from a primary level, you'd ha- you had to have the entire five first books of the Bible memorized, the Torah. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, you had to have it all memorized just to get through like primary school. But this guy wasn't just a Pharisee, very intelligent. He was also a ruler of the Jews. So Nick was like high society, the go-to guy. If anybody had a question in that society, they would go to Nick, for the answers, So here it says we have Nick, a Pharisee and a ruler of the Jews, verse 2. This man came to Jesus by night. So he got Nick at night, and he said to him. Ra- Thank you, the two of you that laughed at that. I appreciate you. And He said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again. Somebody say born again. All right, we'll come back to that. Unless you are born Again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Nick said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is Spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear it sounds, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And then Nick said to Jesus, what you talking about? How can these th-? He didn't say what you're talking about. He said, how can these things be? Corey Castle translation. What? Okay. Some of you are like, dude, slow down. I will. I think God could change the trajectory of not just our day, week, month, year, or life, but the trajectory of our souls with the truth found in this passage, in the scripture. And so if we can, I'm going to pray for us one more time, and we're going to see what God says. You want to? All right, let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for these amazing people in this service. And God, I know they're with me when we just look at you and say, you're awesome. You're amazing. You're a great king, dad, ruler of the universe. And it is an honor to be in your presence together. Father, right now I pray that you would infuse us with so much energy, so much better than 100 cups of coffee, that we would be attuned and keenly aware of what you're saying and doing. God, I pray that whatever arguments we got in with our spouses, whatever's going on financially or at work, that for the next few moments you would supernaturally mute that noise. and Holy Spirit, you would focus us in. God, we believe you can do this. We believe you can change it. And God, if somebody was here and they were kind of like dragged to church or they just came because somebody wanted them to come, I thank you that they're here. And I pray if they don't know you that they would have the courage to pray this prayer. Hey God, if you're real, prove it. And we thank you that you do. God, we open our ears, we open our minds, we open our hearts up to you. Please change us. And I pray that you would shut Corey up and Jesus, you would speak. And everybody that agreed with that prayer loudly said, Amen. Man, I'm so excited. This is fun. Have you ever thought you knew something and then later realized you had no idea? Some of you. Uh, yeah, some of you. Are like, what are you talking about? You know, like, you thought you knew what you were getting into, you thought you knew, and then you, you realized you had no idea. Uh, it's like this um, Do I have any married people in the house? Any married couples? Yeah, oh, woo, that's a lot of y'all. All right, Dawson's the place to be for marriage. Um, so, like, Remember back when you were single, or if you're single in the house, maybe this is you right now. Remember back when you were single and you are just like, marriage! I just want to be married! Like, for some reason, ladies, a lot of times, you're just like, give me the ring! Like, if I'm married, it'll solve all my problems! Marriage! And my married people look at those people where you think back to them and you're like, I had no idea. <laughs> right? Like, not that it's bad, you just don't know what you don't know. We're like, you know, fast forward, like, do I have any parents in the house? I see a couple of you parents. Yeah, right. Parents, remember like pre-parenthood or maybe you're married right now and you don't have kids yet. And, and I know like people are in this season, it's, they call it baby fever. You're just like, I want babies, like babies, plural. I want all the babies. Give me babies. Come on, honey. Let's have kids. Kids will solve everything. And my parents, you think back at that season and you're like, I had no idea. You're just like, hush, child, don't pray that. No, right? Like, you're just, you just don't. Kids are great. They're a blessing from the Lord. But we don't know what we don't know. There's times in life where we think we know, but in all actuality, we have no idea. I've had this happen in so many different arenas of my life, um, big, fun, crazy ways and small ways. I remember just a couple years ago, I had an opportunity to fulfill a childhood dream. I, I grew up just a huge fan of aviation. Any pilots in the house? I had pilots in the last couple services. Great. Nobody can fact check me. Awesome. Um, so I grew up just a fan of aviation and I'm just an adrenaline junkie as is like a skydive, bungee jump. Give me something tall. I'll jump off of it. Some any adrenaline junkies. You're like that. Yeah. Three of us. The rest of you are like, y'all are dumb. Um, and so I just love this stuff. And a couple years ago, I got to do a GoPro trip. Um, it was like this sponsored trip where we stopped at major cities across the United States, and we did like GoPro type activities, like the camera extreme sports stuff. And so we did all this crazy stuff. And in one of the cities, I got to do like uh, like I said, this childhood dream of mine. Um, we were in Las Vegas, and we had two excursions planned. The first one was uh, the evening of the first night, we jumped off the Stratosphere, tallest building in Vegas. We got to jump off of it. It's awesome. Um, but I was more excited about the next morning. We got to fly in stunt planes, and I was like, yeah, I was so excited to fly in the stunt plane. And so we. We get there the first night, and the other guy I was with got sick, and so he didn't go to the stratosphere, and so I went and jumped off the stratosphere by myself. We got it on film, and the next morning, he wanted to do the stratosphere instead of going to the stunt planes, so, because he was feeling better, and so I went and did the stunt planes by myself, and I showed up there. It's called Sky Combat Ace. You can check it out. I used a Groupon for it. Some of you are like, you used a Groupon for a stunt plane? Yes, I did, <laughs> and so I, I show up, and they're like, hey, wasn't there supposed to be two of you, and I was like, yeah, he got sick. Now, he's jumping off a building. And they're like, okay, um, <laughs> I explained, and so. Um, They're like, well, since you paid for two, we'll just double your package. And I was like, what does that mean? They're like, well, we're gonna take you on like a bomber run down the Colorado River. Then we're gonna take you up to high altitude, do some maneuvers, um, fly you over the Hoover Dam. I was like, that sounds amazing, let's do it. And then I'm ready to go and they're like, hey, we're sorry, the Discovery Channel's here and they're filming a special on stunt planes. It's gonna be a little bit of a delay. 30 minutes goes by, sorry, a little bit longer, hour goes by, hour and a half goes by, and I'm, like, trying to be a good Christian, you know, like, they're like, are you okay? I'm like, no, it's fine, blessed are you among the saints, just Jesus gives me patience, you know, just own your face, like, I love you, inside, you're like, hurry up, but I was just like, nah, I'm just trying to own my face, you know, be a good Christian. I don't know if y'all have ever heard that principle, own your face, it's a leadership principle, I talk about it a lot. Here's an example, I don't know if you know this, but while we preach, we can see your faces. So, like, I say that because some of you, even now, you look at me like you want to kill me. You're like, you're like this. And you're the same people after service, like, next week, you'll be like, Brian, that service changed my life. Tell your face that because it doesn't look like it. But, uh, anyways. Uh, so yeah, I'm like owning my face, all that stuff. And then they finally come to me like hour and a half, two hours. Like, Hey, it's time for you. And since it was such a delay, we're just going to upgrade you to the top package. It's called the top gun package. I was like, what does that mean? They're like, well, you're going to get to fly the plane and do some maneuvers. And we're going to do a gravity test. And I was like, all of it. I want all the things. Let's do everything. Let's go. And so I hop in this plane, and I'm loving it. We do, like, the little Colorado River bomber run, and then we go up, and we're doing the maneuvers. And I, he did, like, a barrel roll, and I saw the joystick go like this. And he's like, grab the joystick, and then I got to do the barrel He's like, this is a backflip, and he did it, and then I got to do the backflip. And we did, like four or five maneuvers, and he was like, dude, you're doing really good. You haven't thrown up yet, and I'm like, I love this, and he's like, I'm going to show you my favorite trick. It's called like the kamikaze death whirl of doom, and it's where the plane goes up, and he stalls the plane intentionally, and then it tips over backwards, and it like goes head over tail, and then it kind of goes to wider and it comes out, and I was like, let's do it, and I'm just loving this, and so we do that, and I'm like, God, oh, he's like, dude, you've done really good, like in my headphones, he's talking to me. He's like, it's time for the g-force, the gravity test. Um, usually we take it to like two or three Gs. Since you've done well, we'll do like five or six Gs. And I'm like, bring it on. You know, I'm so cocky at this point. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Uh, I had no idea. And so (laughs) upturn, downturn. Now, for my physics nerds in the house, you know this. Um, Right now you're experiencing one G of gravity, 9.8 meters per second squared. That's what you're feeling. But when you increase that, it goes two, three, and it, it, it could really affect your body. So he tells me, hey, you're pretty much guaranteed to pass out here. And I'm like, no, I got this. And so Upturn pulls back on the joystick. And I'll never forget it. All of a sudden, I couldn't even hold my body up. I was just like, my shoulders drop. And then I couldn't even keep my mouth closed. It was just like, "Dah," And I'm just thinking like, don't pass out. Don't pass out. And I just pass out. And to prove it, I actually brought a video of it if y'all want to see it. Y'all want to see it? All right, cool. Y'all can laugh at my pain. But this is me at Sky Combat Ace. And because and preachers sometimes make up to- stories, so I want you to know it was real. Um, but yeah, this is on the Colorado River. See a little GoPro there, mounted up and everything. It was so fun, we like almost hit a kayaker, and we had to go up in the air. This, uh, you can see how, look how happy I am. I'm so happy. This is the best time ever. We're flying around, plane smoking. I'm like, if I die today, it's amazing. And, and this is like, I'm getting to fly some stuff. And the next angle is awesome. It's the the camera on the plane, on the wing. Look at the horizon. You can see how crazy this maneuver is. And even more so, look at my hair in a second. That's when you know it's really crazy. But It was so much fun. Hey, like the pilot behind me, he knew all the right things to do with his head and his body, and I had no idea. I was just like, woo! And then after this, we got to do like some upside down flying, and I got to do a couple more maneuvers. and. It was literally the best day of my life. Like that, that, yeah, so upside down, yay, I'm still happy. And then after this was the gravity test, the g-force thing. And so we're upturned, look how happy I am, yay! Happy B, downturn, pull back on the joystick. Whoa, no, don't pass out, don't pass out, don't pass out, and I'm gone. (laughs) Lip quiver and everything. Completely out, still out, and where am I? Back awake. I literally did not know. That's it. You can turn it up. I had no idea how long I was gone. Like I thought it had been days. It was only two seconds. And I got off the plane and adrenaline was still going. I'll never forget it. And I'm like, that was the best thing ever. And then I get in the car and I drive and I have to pull over after like two minutes because all the adrenaline left my body. And I felt like I had been shaken by a giant for like 10 minutes. And I just had to lay my seat back because I thought I knew I wanted that. And then in that moment I realized. I had no idea. And some of you are like, what does this have to do with John chapter 3? Here's the point. There's so many times in life where we think we know what we want. We think we understand, and then we experience it, and we realize we had no idea. Whether it's I I knew I wanted that relationship. I knew I wanted to be with him or her. You realize you had no idea what you're asking for. I knew I wanted that job. I knew I wanted that career. God, this is the way I want to go. Then you realize you had no idea. Proverbs says it like this. It says there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Like there's sometimes where we're so sure we know what's right, but then we realize, oh, we're so wrong. And here with Nicodemus, with Nick in the middle of the night, I think it was one of those moments where Nick thought he knew some things. But in one conversation with Jesus, he realized he had no idea. Three areas specifically, I think. And the first one we see, even in this short exchange in the first nine verses, is Nick thought he understood identity and realized he had no idea. Everybody say identity identity. Say it like you mean it. Say identity. So how do we know this? Because it says Nicodemus, a Pharisee and a ruler of the Jews. In other words, Nick thought he knew who he needed to be in order to be with God. He thought, I understand my identity. I'm a Pharisee and I'm a ruler of the Jews. I go to synagogue or church. I know the Bible. I'm, not, I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm a leader. This is who I am. My identity is wrapped up in what I do And I'm a ruler. I'm well-to-do in society. I got my identity on lock. But he didn't just mistake his identity. Then he goes to Jesus and he says, Rabbi, we know that you're a good teacher. He thought Jesus' identity was, you're a rabbi and you're a good teacher. And here Jesus goes and just sucker punches his concept of identity. And he says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are born again, somebody say born again. Unless you are born again, you will not even see the kingdom of God. Now, this is crazy because when we read the word, a lot of times we over spiritualize it. But this is a conversation between two dudes in the middle of the night. And and he looks at him and Jesus says, you must be born again. And then Nicodemus responds, so human. If you read it, it's really funny, actually. He goes, wait, what? He goes, I'm a grown man. My mom is old that's gross. Like, am I supposed to, what are we talking about here, Jesus? Like, he gets real practical. He's like, this doesn't make sense. And then Jesus gets real ethereal. He's like, no, 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 no. To be born again, to be born of the spirit, it's like the wind. It's like the wind, like, ooh. And then Nick replies. He's like, what? He literally says, how can these things be? You ever read the word of God, and you're just like, I have no idea what that means, right? (laughs) You're not alone. Nick was face to face with Jesus, and Jesus said a bunch of stuff, and Nick was like, huh? Run that back? Like, what are you talking about? But it's so amazing. He basically was saying, hey, Nick, you think being a Pharisee and a ruler of the Jews is going to get you into heaven. I came to tell you, it's not about your title. It's not about who you are, but rather whose you are. Whew, that's huge. Because so many of us think, well, I go to church, so I'll get into heaven. I'm, I lead the kids ministry. I'll get into... Here's one I hear all the time. Well, I'm a good person. They're a good person. They'll get into heaven. And Jesus basically says, nope, your identity and your stamp to get into heaven with God has nothing to do with who you are, but rather whose you are. In other words, your whole identity must come crumbling down. And it must be rebuilt on the foundation that is Jesus. Jesus. And if it doesn't revolve around who Jesus is and what he's done for you, it is all for not. Now, going to church on a regular basis, serving, being a good person, those are all great things. But they're all for not if their identity isn't founded on Jesus. I mean, this is revolutionary, what he said to him. And he says, you must be born again. And how does it work? He says, it's like the wind. Now, that sounds confusing. But just like when we walk out of here in just a few minutes, you're going to feel the breeze. And here's what he's saying. And he says it, you didn't start the wind. You didn't create it. It had nothing to do with you, but you just get to receive it. It's a blessing. And then you don't tell it where to go. It's going to keep moving. He says, that's what the spirit of God is like. You didn't start it. You didn't create it, but at some point in this life that you live, you will come face to face with the reality that there is a creator, that there is something bigger than you, and he loves you and he sent his son to die for you. And in that moment, you have a choice. Receive the blessing of the wind or shield yourself from it and do life on your own. But you can receive the blessing and it will continue to blow and work. And that's what it means to be born again, to say yes to the reality of your identity being found in Jesus. Say identity. So the first thing he thought he knew but realized he had no idea was his concept of identity, but then Jesus takes it a step further because he's Jesus, and that's what he does. I love it. When you read Jesus, he never leaves you at, like, level one. He's always like, nah, I'm going to keep going. So he kind of sucker punches him with identity, and then he says this in verse 14. John 3, 14, it says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So the first thing he thought he understood was his identity, realized he had no idea, and here he thinks he understands eternity, and realize is he has no idea. Somebody say eternity. Because here Jesus says the way to eternal life is through the Son of Man that will be lifted up on the stick like the serpent was lifted up on the stick by Moses. Now, Nicodemus thought the way to eternal life was to be a good Jew, was to be a Hebrew. Learn the Torah, keep the sacrifices and commandments, check, I'm in. Jesus said, nope, that's not how you get into eternity with God. He says, it's like Moses lifting up the snake on the stick. Now, when we read that, I know the first time I read that, I was like, yeah, snake, stick, cool, what, <laughs> right? Like, I don't, I don't get that. But when he said this to Nick, this was a story that not just the Pharisees knew, every hebrew believer knew this story this was a famous story in jewish culture this comes out of the book of numbers i'm gonna give you the cliff notes version of it have you seen um like prince of egypt or 10 commandments old school version charlton heston right that based on true story moses helped free the nation of israel from bondage and slavery in egypt so let my people go that all happens they get in the wilderness and then the nation of israel disobeys god they start disobeying God, doing their own thing. Things start going really bad for them. And God is a good father. It's like that song we sing, good, good father. He's a good, good father. So like a good father, he disciplines his children. Book of Proverbs says that if you delay discipline, you are a bad parent. Woo! My kids in the house are like, can you stop? <laughs> But yeah, and, and so God's a good father, so he doesn't delay discipline. And he goes, hey, you guys, it's not going to go well for you. So he disciplines them, but he gets their attention in a really weird way. It says in the book of Numbers, he sends snakes into the camps of Israel. How many of you don't like snakes? Yeah, so already you're like, got my attention, God. All you need is one, right? You're like, but, but here's the deal. They were in the desert. They were used to snakes. They had seen lots of snakes. But this wasn't just a few snakes or a few desert, rat, you know, like a few desert snakes. This was an epidemic. This was a plague. And these snakes, you can read in numbers, were highly venomous, highly poisonous. They would bite you, and you would die in like a day or two. And so all of a sudden, imagine you're living, and you're kind of doing your own thing, and then all of a sudden you hear so and so's cousin died from a snake bite. Whoa, that's kind of weird. That's rare. And then another person you hear dies. Then a neighbor dies. And then your wife gets bit. And then your kids get bit. And people are dying all around you. And all of a sudden, what was just a rumor about some snakes is a plague that's affecting you and your family. And people are dying. And so the nation of Israel goes to Moses Moses and says, hey, Mo, you got to fix this. Like, can we are sorry? We repent. We'll change everything. Just please tell God to save us from the snakes. So Moses talks to God and God tells Moses, hey, Moses, here's what you're going to do. You're going to fashion a snake out of bronze. It's going to look like the snakes without the poison and the venom, but it's not going to have any of the poison inside of it. And you're going to take this bronze snake and you're going to wrap it on a stick and you're going to hoist it in the air. And all someone has to do is look at it and they will be healed. Just look at it and believe and they'll be healed. And it sounded ridiculous. It sounded foolish. But I guarantee you, if your baby girl got bit and she was about to die, you would pick her up and do whatever it takes to get to that snake for a chance at her living. And the crazy thing is, it worked kids, families, people, they would they would look at the snake and they would believe and all of a sudden the venom would stop affecting them and the nation of Israel was saved and it seems foolish but the Bible says that often the wisdom of God seems like foolishness to the world and the wisdom of the world is foolishness to God there's something so weird and so Jesus says just like the snake on a stick was lifted up by Moses so the son of man will look like humans but have none of the poison of sin in them and without the poison as a symbol of their salvation, he will be lifted up. And just like they looked at the snake and they were healed, if you just look and believe, you too will be healed, not from poison, but from the poison of sin. Side note, that's why every ambulance you ever see or any hospital you go to, you will see the sign of a snake on a stick. It is the international sign of healing, and it has always been that ever since the book of Numbers. Gospel is everywhere. How cool is that? It's amazing. And so he says. And so one-two punch. Your Nick in the middle of the night coming to Jesus, going, "Man, what do I do with this?" And he just goes, "Your concept of identity, your your understanding of eternity," and he flips them all on their head. And then Jesus keeps going. And he takes it a step further because he's Jesus, and that's what he does. So after John three fifteen comes. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So <laughs> some of you are like, "I went to Sunday school," and some of you are like, "I can count. Like that's easy." <laughs> just like is this is a trick question. Yeah, John three. 16 the most famous verse in all of the world you cannot go to a falcons game or a fc united game without seeing a sign that says john 3:16 or an eye black that says john 3:16 but what i love about the most famous verse in all the world is it was not preached from a pulpit it was not shouted or sermonized from a mountaintop to the multitudes john 3:16 the most famous verse in all the world was said to one man in the middle of the night you thought he knew but had no idea so Jesus continues, and he says, for God so loved. So imagine if you're Nick, like at this point, you're like, dude, the whole identity thing, born again, that was weird. Born identity, that's where they got it from. Ha! <laughs> and so they're like, oh, my gosh, what? And then the whole eternity thing, like, what are you saying? And then he gets back on track, and he says, for God so loved. And so he's, Nick's going, okay, yes, I'm with you now, Jesus. God loves. He's a loving God. Yes, I get it. But then he says this, for God so loved the world. God so loved the world. Now, that, that was revolutionary because at this point, no one had really said that. They thought God so loved the Jews. In a weird way, they kind of thought God was racist. The only way you could get into eternal life with God is if you're part of the Jewish people. And here comes Jesus saying, nope, it's for the whole world. Jesus, by the way, he said some pretty audacious revolutionary things. I mean, he said some amazing, he, he was the first person really on planet earth to say women are equal to men. And all my ladies said, amen. "Yeah, amen, a woman, right? No, like, <laughs> you're just like, right? But he was literally like one of the first people to ever say that. He was one of the first people to say slaves aren't property, they're human beings too. Like, he said some things that just flip the cultural paradigm on its ear. And he, here he says, for God so loved the world. So if you're Nick, you're going, whoa, world. And he continues, for God so loved the world that he gave. And if you're Nick, you're going, okay, yeah, gave. God gives. He gave us life. He gave us freedom. He gave the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, God's a giving God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And in the Greek there is a little more poignant. It's as, if, it's as if he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. It was like first person, like me. And if I'm Nick at that point, I'm taking a step back. Because it was if he's saying, hey, Nick, tonight, I want you to know, when you look into these eyes, you're looking into the eyes of God. And it's so interesting when you talk to people because they're like, man, why why did they kill Jesus? Jesus was a good person, right? He healed people, he worked miracles, he taught great things. They didn't kill Jesus because he worked miracles and he taught great things. They killed Jesus because he said something that got him into political and theological hot water. He literally stood up in front of people and said, I am God in the flesh. And in the Roman hierarchy, you could not say that because Caesar was God. So to say that you were God or king in any way, you it was literally off with his head. Politically, you could not live. Then theologically, for the Jews to say you were God, in the flesh was complete and utter blasphemy they didn't kill him because he was a good dude they killed him because he was saying stuff he could not say and he was infuriating the pop that's why like it, it almost frustrates me when people are like yeah I like that Jesus guy he was a good person C.S. Lewis says he could not be a good person he is either a liar a lunatic or Lord those are your only three options that's it and so here he looks at Nick in the middle of the night and he says you thought you knew your identity had no idea. You thought you understood eternity. But you had no idea. And you thought you understood divinity, who the divine was, but you had no idea you're talking to God right now. For God's so little world that he gave his only begotten son. And as I study scripture, I, I, I love to think of it from all angles. Um, The book of Proverbs says, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And that's kind of a weird abstract way to say accurate perspective, to to get your place, to know where you stand. And and perspective is really the first step in understanding and getting wisdom. And, And the ancient rabbis would say that scripture was like a gym. Like, like, like a beautiful gem, like ladies, if you have like a diamond ring, you know how you like hold it in the light and then you can turn it and it looks different and it looks different and it looks different. They would say that scripture is the same way, like a gem, you would turn and it looks different in every angle and every single light. They said, that's the way we should come to the scripture, that we should look, from every single angle, and the more we look and the more we turn it, we will learn more and more and excavate more and more and uncover more and more truth about who God is and his plan for us. And so here, in this, in this story that really happened, I like to look at it from all four perspectives. Some of you, if you're astute, you're like, wait, four, it was just Jesus and Nick. That's two, buddy, where'd you go to school, right? But here's the deal, in, in any exchange, there's a minimum of four perspectives. There's, in this one, there's Jesus, And there's Nicodemus. And your third angle, your third perspective is God's point of view, right? God is the three O's, omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. Suffice it to say, he knows all and he's everywhere at one time. So in any conversation, God is present. (laughs) That's also just good to know. God was there. (laughs) God was there when you said that to her. God was there when you did that to him. God is there. Some of you, that's terrifying, but it's also an amazing fact because he loves us through it. But he's there. And and I don't, like, I like to think of this conversation through God's perspective, but God is, we just said, he's all-knowing. So he knew what Jesus was going to say. He knew what Jesus was going to do. He knew the whole plan. I like to think about this conversation through the perspective, through the lens of the angels. Because the angels were not all-knowing. Like, just for the last couple minutes, I, I want you to think about this whole scene from the perspective of the angels. Like, imagine if you're one of them. I, I, if you're not a Christ follower, we believe the book of uh, the New Testament says, we do not wage war against flesh and blood, but rather against spiritual realms. Th- there is a spiritual realm where there's angels and demons and things like that. And, and that's where we kind of fight and do our warfare. And uh, imagine if you're the angels. Like, all of a sudden, God creates you, and you're just like, bah! Like, we exist! I don't know. what it, I'm just, I'm, I have an imagination. So I just imagine they didn't exist, and all of a sudden, they're like, ha we're here right and it's us and God and, and by the way like angels are terrifying like i don't know if you've read the bible like almost every time they show up in the bible the first thing they say is do not be afraid these are everybody's like i just wish i could see angels no you don't like they are terrifying when god wanted to kill thousands of people in one night in the nation of egypt he sent one angel these guys roll hard and <laughs> like they're intense and so these, these angels, that are just like, ah, us and God, this is awesome. And then they watch God start to create stuff. And somewhere along that journey, a third of the angels under the lead of Lucifer decide, hey, we can do things better than God. And God knows that's not going to go well for them. On top of that, they're being disobedient. And so God banishes them. And so then the angels see that God is not just good. He's not just creator, but he's just it's so good that we serve a just God. He, he believes and cares about justice and he doesn't want things to go wrong. And, and so then the angels are like, oh, you're not just good. You're not just great. You're not just creator. You're just. This is awesome. And then they're watching him create the sun and the stars. He's literally the star breather. Like he speaks and universes come into play. And he's watching the planets get formed. And the angels see him make earth and he separates the water and he's making the animals. And I'm, I just imagine you're the, the angels are like, oh, that one has a long neck draft. That one's weird. Platypus, is like what? And, and they're just watching it. And then they're like, whoa. That one looks like God because the scripture says man was created in God's image. There's something about us that resembles the creator of the universe. It's so cool. That's why in the New Testament, it also says men and women curse each other and then go and bless the name of God. This should not be so because when you look at your husband or your wife or your kids or your parents or that fellow human being, you're getting a glimpse of the divine. There's something godly about them. And God said, you should not curse my creation and then come try and bless me. And so they go, whoa, that one looks like God. But then the angels watch as God breathes his breath into man. And the angels know what this means. They're like, whoa, there's another one that's going to live for eternity. This is awesome. It's God it's angels, it's man, the trio, let's go, like, they're just like, this is cool, I don't know, I just imagine them being really happy, because it says they're always praising God, and so they're like, God, man, here we go, and they're watching Adam and Eve, and they're like, dude, this is cool, you got a garden, you're taking care of it, and then they watch Adam and Eve kind of start think things, like, what are you doing, what are you doing, and they watch them go to the apple, and they watch them, uh, and don't do that, don't do that, Eve, don't do that, Adam, no, and then they disobey God, and the angels are like, oh, no, now he's got to kill them, because they knew God is just, and the penalty for sin is death. So they're like, well, good run, humans. You made it to two, right? But then God doesn't kill them. He actually covers them. And the angels are like, whoa, he really loves them. Wow. Well, surely they'll get it right this time. Nope. Humans multiply. Start lying, start stealing, start gossiping, start murdering, raping, war, genocide fills the earth. And you got to know the angels are like, what are you doing? Why would you live? Just follow him, and it'll go way better. He's told you how to live. Why, do you got, why are you so selfish and prideful? What are you doing? And God's like, it's okay. I'm going to send a flood. And the angels are like, bow time. Kill them all, you know. And, and God saves a family. Noah, his family gotta know the angels are like, why does he keep saving them? He loves them so much. Well, Surely they'll get it right this time. Nope. More lying. More stealing. More rape, more murder, more war, more genocide just fills the earth. And the angels are probably just pulling their hair out or their feathers or whatever they have. And they're just like, why do you guys keep living like this? Like he gives you chance after chance after chance. And then God says, it's okay. It's okay, angels. I'm going to send Jesus. And they're like, oh, yeah, King Jesus is going to go kill them all. Because they know Jesus in his real form. You read the book of Revelation? Jesus in his real form, warrior king on a white horse with his robe dipped in the blood of his enemies with a flaming sword coming out of his mouth, eyes like fire, a tattoo on his thigh that says king of kings and lord of lords, coming to roll hard on anybody that stands against him. That's the Jesus they know. So they're like, you're going to send Jesus. Let's go. And humans are about to get what they deserve. They're going to get theirs. Let's go, Jesus. Kill them all. And then God says, no, I'm not going to let Jesus kill them. I'm going to let them kill him. If you're the angels, you're like, no, no, whoa, not our Jesus, not the king. What intently, it says he could call down a legion of them in any moment. Because that was their king, and they didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't know what he was going to say. So every conversation, every interaction, they're pressed in. They're leaning. They're watching their king. And here in the middle of the night, when a man named Nicodemus comes to Jesus thinking he knows but having no idea, they're listening to every word that comes out of their king's mouth. And here Jesus says, for God so loved the world. And the angels are going, yeah, he does. You have no idea how much he loves you. Nick, if you could only get it, like how much he loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Nick, that's him. You're talking to him right there. That's the one. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And then Jesus said something so crazy, so audacious. Ever. Somebody say whoever. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And if I'm the angels, I'm going, yes, God loves you. Yes, that's you, his only son. Whoever? What do you mean whoever? You mean after chance, after chance, after chance, after chance, you're personally going to go down there and live and die for them? And they're like, thank you, God, for loving me. Thank you. Whoever? Just whoever, Jesus? They don't deserve you. And Jesus looks at Nick the same way He looks at us, the same way He looked at the angels, and says, "Yeah, whoever." For those that get it, that receive the wind and go, "Man, I, like what we were singing earlier, I don't deserve it, but I'm grateful." Jesus. That's why that song. I mean, it's kind of theologically incorrect. The reckless love of God. God is not reckless. He is so intentional and accurate. But from our perspective, if you were to be in a relationship where somebody wronged you and abused you over and over and over again, we would say they don't deserve you. Get out of that relationship. But God looks at us, and we wrong him, and we abuse him, and we do the wrong thing over and over again, and he says, I'm here. I love you. Peter, the angels long to look into the mystery that is salvation. They don't get why God loves us so much. And honestly, I don't either. But he does. And the crazy thing, if you're sitting out here today and you're like, man, this is, this is deep. This is heavy. Like, man, this wages of sin, death. But what I love about John 3.16 is that's not where Jesus stops. After John 3.16 is John 3. Yeah, y'all got it. Right? For God did not send the Son of Man into the world to condemn the world. He did not send Jesus to judge us. He did not send Jesus to punish us. He did not send Jesus to bring justice like he should have. It said he did not bring him into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And that's the best news you've ever heard in your life, whether you know it or not. I just imagine Nick in that moment going, man, I just thought I was coming to get a couple of questions answered Jesus. You just changed everything. And if you read the Bible in the New Testament, that's not Nicodemus' last words. Nick shows up at the, the cross, and then Nick is actually one of two people that helped bury Jesus. And he's there at the resurrection. He followed Jesus from this point forward because he thought he knew, but he realized he had no idea. And if you're anything like me, like I came to a crossroads a while back in life where I thought I knew a lot. And then all of a sudden, a passage like this hit me head on where I realized, Jesus, you're not who I thought you were. You're so much better. And I will like, I'll leave everything. I'll give everything. I don't care. I just, I don't deserve that kind of love and I want it. And so can we do this just to round out our time? Can we bow our heads and close our eyes? And today, if that's you, You have the opportunity to receive that wind and become a part of the elite echelon known as the whoever. It's a world-class title to be known as one of the whoever. And I know, I mean, there's only a few of us here, but God knew you would be here. He was all-knowing. And those same angels are listening going, are they going to get it? They're going to step in. And right now, just in the quiet stillness of this moment, maybe you thought you knew and today you realize you had no idea. I just want you to pray this prayer with me. You don't have to pray it out loud. God's a genius. He can read your mind. And you don't even have to say these exact words because it's not about the words you say. That would be an incantation. And that's witchcraft. and That's not what we believe. But it's about the posture of your heart. Like the snake on the stick that healed those, do you look to the cross and go, I receive it, I believe? So right now, just in your own words, just pray something like this. Hey, Jesus, I'm in. You and I both know I've messed up. I know I can't do it on my own. And I know I don't deserve you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for chance after chance. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for raising for me. God, from this point forward, I'm all yours. I'm not perfect. I'm not going to get it all right. But I just want to follow you. Give you my life, Jesus. Thanks for giving me yours. And the Bible says if you, if you prayed a prayer like that, if you mean it, that those same angels are going off in a party because you just became one of the whoevers. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, I would just ask this. I want to know who you are so I can pray for you. I'm not going to call you out or anything, but I just want to celebrate with the angels too. So on the count of three, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you prayed that prayer for the first time or maybe for the 50th time, but this is the time you meant it, I just want you to slip your hand up in the air real quick. One, two, three. Praise God. Praise God. You can put your hands down. Amen. If you all, would you look up here at me? I just want to let you know it's been an amazing day. We've had so many people step into the whoever, and God is doing something so powerful. Can we give him a hand? And there was a couple people right here in this service that say yes to him. That's amazing. Woo! I love it. Yeah. Hey, if you were one of those people, I know who you are. You can come up and talk to me on your way out. You can stop by one of the Info desk guest services and be like, yo, I'm one of the whoever. And they're going to hook you up with your next step, let you know. But I want you to know you have a family in the kingdom family of Christ. Here even at MLC, find a great church if this isn't your church. But, man, this is a great one.